Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Breaking down the latest controversies, political news, and other headlines. He has his finger on the pulse of what's happening. Now on The Lake Show, from public notice, here's renowned independent journalist Aaron Rufar. How do you like them apples? That intro sounded nice because we got a great guest. His name is Aaron Rupar from Public Notice. Joining us now on the John Schuster Cole Banker Hotline. How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm doing good. That's an amazing open. Uh, you, thanks for putting that together. You like Probably it? One of your producers, huh? You oh, like great. it? Yeah, don't, yeah. No, no, no. We, 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 we got to give the, uh, the brains of the operation here at WCCO, Brad Lane. We got to give the program director... We have to give him the credit on that. So uh, we told him we wanted to do something for your appearances here on uh, this program, and he said that he would get it done, and that is the unveiling of it. So I'm glad that you give it a thumbs up. Well, you know, my last name can be kind of a tricky one to pronounce, and that was dead on because I get a lot of Rupert or, you know, various (laughs) mispronunciations, and uh, that one was dead on. So I I don't know if he knew that or if he just – you know, guess correctly, but the whole thing's amazing. So uh, thanks for putting that together. Hold on, hold on, Aaron. He knows who you are. I mean, come on, man. Yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> you're not going around. I can't remember who the former Viking player was, but but man, people know me in this town. Come on now. Oh man, but that's, yeah, that, that's pretty. It probably funny. happens. You know, it happens maybe like every couple months where come at a Wolves game or get carded. You know, someone will say, "Oh, I follow you on Twitter. Keep up the good work," or something like yes. that. But you know, I haven't quite hit that level of fame. Not like you. You know where. Your face is all over the place, so I'm sure you get mobbed when you go to games or go out in the town. I don't, I don't quite get that, but every couple months, someone right. will recognize me. All right, so let me let me ask you let me ask you this though. All right, and be honest: Have you had um, whether it was uncomfortable or just like it was it was cool? Have you been recognized out in public by somebody, and it got a little weird? Man, you know, I don't really think so. I'm trying to think if there's ever been an occasion like that. I think pretty much every single time that's happened, and it's happened dozens of times, mm-hmm. it's been, you know, someone who's been a fan. Um, I can't think of a time where, you know, it's been confrontational or threatening or anything like that. I mean, certainly I get no. my share of that kind of anonymously, you know, through like um, messages on Twitter or even people will text you if they find your phone number, things like that. But um, no, I, I don't get that. Never happened, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't get that. So, so, so what I was, what I was angling for, and what I thought, and you just kind of 
kind of vaguely touched on it, is is the people that are fans or appreciate you, they can be awkward too, though, Aaron. Like, I've been at Target or I've been certain places, and people recognize the voice, whatever. And I'm, I'm just the type of person where, and, and me and you me and you have hung out. You know me. I'm just a straight-up dude. I'm like, I'm like I don't, I'm nothing special. Just, you know, hey, it is what it is. We're, we're just hanging out, having a good time, whatever. But people don't necessarily view you that way, so they kind of want to put you in that special box or category. And so somebody, instead of, um, I'm just the person that wants to be um, treated like everybody else, but it sure. doesn't it doesn't work out that way because people will be like, I recognize your voice, or you know, and they make it a little <laughs> bit creepy as you're checking out at Target, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. So, but it's all yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always been pretty cool, and it's it's kind of flattering because it's usually people who either read the newsletter, or follow me on Twitter, or something like that. So, um, no, I, I can't think of an occasion where it's been kind of off putting or. Vibes have been weird or someone's, you know, said something kind of off, you know. So uh, I guess give it time. You know, there's, there's a lot of years left, hopefully. So uh, yeah, I'll let you sure. know if that happens. For sure. I, I implore everybody out there listening to the show and to this segment uh, to sign up for Aaron's um, newsletter. Uh, go to uh, publicnotice.co and subscribe to the newsletter. And, and the reason why I'm really emphatic about that tonight is, um, Aaron, is because I just feel like we're at the end with Twitter. It just feels like any day now it could be over, and I want people to know where to find your great information because as much as I like to tweet, um, I've not hopped on the TikTok craze. I never was a part of Snapchat. Yes, I'm on Instagram and, and other social media platforms and stuff like that, but when I saw Elon Musk and he had the sit-down in the Q&A, and he told, uh, who was it, Bob Iger or somebody from Disney that they could screw off or whatever, and I'm cleaning that up. <laughs> when, when that happened, in the way that he was acting on that day, I was like, yeah, something's not right here. Well, what did you make of that? Yeah. You know, he's been kind of acting like that for the better part of a year now. And, of course, you know, people speculate, you know, if he has some sort of drug habit. And I think he's been open that he kind of dabbles with ketamine you know, which has side effects that can result in being kind of unstable and erratic um, if you over, you know, if you overdo it. Um, I don't know anything about that, but, um, you know, certainly even today, um, I don't know if you saw his tweets today where he was following up, you know, just attacking Bob Iger and um, it's really ugly stuff. And you wonder if you're like a prospective advertiser, what you're thinking when you see him go after someone like that, you know, if, if you advertise on Twitter and then decide to stop and maybe say something publicly, like you certainly wouldn't want Elon going after you like that. So, I don't think Twitter is going to go away anytime soon, but I do think it's kind of nearing a tipping point where it's just such a toxic place to spend time that, you know, why would you voluntarily do that? So are you on threads, by the way? I mean, threads I, is pretty I, solid. There are I'm on threads. There. I'm on threads okay. and I'm on, I'm on spoutable as well. So yeah, I am on, on other platforms just for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I don't really have like an exit plan right now, but you know, my friend Judd Legum who publishes the popular information newsletter He's been very open and even posting on Twitter that he's trying to wind down his presence there and he's just using it to post his newsletters and not really tweet as much as he used to. So, you know, I see more and more people kind of making that leap off the platform, uh, deactivating their accounts. And uh, I'm not quite there yet because, you know, a lot of my audience is on Twitter. And for instance, like threads you cannot access in the EU. And so, you know, for people who follow my work in Europe, I want to have them, you know, still be uh, a way to read it and still be in touch with them. And so... I don't plan to leave right now, but certainly, yeah, like you said, I mean, that interview last week, um, something's going very wrong with Elon. And, um, you know, it just makes Twitter kind of uh, a bummer to, to spend a lot of time on there. Yep. All right. We got five topics I'm gonna, uh, or questions I want to ask you tonight here in this segment. And, and the first is, 
What do you make or what do you think is the impact of the conflict in Israel, um, Gaza on the Biden administration? I know that we are approaching an election year and there are a lot of people that are looking at how the U.S. has dealt with the situation um, and how they have, um, you know, some of some of the choices that we've made, some of the decisions that have been made, uh, some of the public statements that have been, been made. And a lot of people are looking at uh, the Biden administration and uh, President Joe Biden in a very negative light with all of this. Yeah, I mean, it certainly hurt him. Uh, you know, I saw polling today from CNN that had his approval rating at 37 percent, which I think is the lowest that it's been since you know he began his presidency. So, so that's very discouraging. You know, I, I think that there wasn't really any way for him to handle it that would have satisfied everyone. I mean, of course, Israel has been a, a close ally since the founding of the nation, you know, back in 1948. And so the idea that Biden would have used a terror attack on Israel to kind of go full, let's, you know, let's defund them militarily, let's not provide them with aid, that was never going to happen. Um, you know, it seems like by all indications, including things that Biden has said publicly, that he behind the scenes has been pushing Netanyahu to use restraint and to minimize civilian casualties, which you know is very tricky when you're conducting military operations in an area as small as the Gaza Strip is. So, you know, I think he's been trying to kind of strike that balance. And um, I just don't know, you know, it, it's very difficult to know where that balance would be that could kind of please the most people or, um, you know, limit the political damage to himself. Um, the one thing I will say is that, you know, this is obviously a big deal right now and it's hurting Biden's approval ratings. It's really hurt his approval ratings among Democrats. But I think, you know, nine, 10 months down the line, I'm not sure if this is going to be the most salient issue as we head into the general election next year. And so, you know, certainly it's hurt him in the short run. I wouldn't at this point draw the conclusion that it's going to be something that really hamstrung, you know, that, that really hurts him heading into the general. I think we just have to wait and see. And hopefully by the time we get to next summer, this uh, war is over because, you know, the longer it drags on, it's bad for absolutely everybody. It's bad for Israelis. It's obviously bad for Palestinians. And on the domestic frontier, it's, it's bad for Joe Biden, too. Talking to Aaron Rupar, public notice newsletter here on the Late Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. All right, go ahead. Give me your takeaways from the uh, the fourth GOP debate, your top takeaways. Well, you know, we had a recap today in public notice that I did not write because uh, I had tickets to the Timberwolves game. I went to the Timberwolves game last night. <laughs> I had watched the first three debates. Um, you know, I'd watched the first three of them very closely and, and did big threads covering them. And by the third one, you know, like there was a little bit of intrigue just in Vivek Ramaswamy being the guy that everybody hates. And, you know, the question of like, is someone going to literally punch him on the stage? Um, But, you know, aside from things like that, there just isn't a lot of like policy intrigue. And there's something kind of sad about these debates where you have the also rans debating and Trump isn't there and they're barely talking about him. I mean, it's kind of farcical. So, um, you know, our recap kind of centered on a lot of the bigotry that underpinned the debate where, there's a lot of transphobia. There's a lot of fear mongering about immigrants, um, you know, a lot of attacks on wokeness, whatever that means. And so, you know, it's kind of an ugly affair. And to me, I'll be glad when they are done. Now, I don't know if you saw today that CNN is actually doing two more Republican debates, one in January and one in February. And so, um, you know, when you look at Iowa and New Hampshire, which are the two earliest states in the primary, in those states, Trump is polling in the 40s. And so, You could see a situation where, you know, if candidates start dropping out and support consolidates behind either DeSantis or Nikki Haley, it could get kind of interesting in those states. And maybe Trump could have a bit of a run for his money. But nationally, he's up over 60 percent. And so, you know, the primary really feels like a coronation instead of an actual race. And I think that kind of comes through in these primary in the in the debates that have had very low viewership. You know, the ratings last night were one third of what they were for the first one. 
And so I think everybody's kind of tuned this out, you know, including myself. Like I said, I was enjoying a, a pretty quality Wolves win at home and uh, trying not to think about it until I got home and had to edit the newsletter for today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. What would you think of Wemby? I was, you know, he, he wasn't his finest hour last night. Um, he, you know, the, the very first play of the game, he had a nice putback tip over Rudy. And uh, that was kind of his whole highlight of the night. I mean, I think he finished with like 10 and 10. So, you know, the one thing I will say is that he is an absolute specimen. I mean, there was one point where he was guarding Nas Reed. And you look at him standing next to Nas Reed, and he's like a foot taller, you know, <laughs> and, and the wingspan is just crazy. And so, you know, he almost doesn't look human with the size that he is. And so, um, it, you know, the San Antonio, I think, actually has a pretty solid roster. It's kind of shocking that they've lost 15 in a row. I mean, not solid in the sense that they're going to win a lot of games, but 15 yeah. losses in a row is kind of crazy. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that. And then when I got home, I had to, uh, you know, edit the post about the debate. So I caught up with it, but uh, I can't say I watched every moment of it. Yeah. All right. Um, the House voted to censor uh, uh, Representative Jamal uh, Bauman over the fire alarm incident. Uh, what, 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 are you, what are you hearing or seeing, or, or what is your take on that? You know, so for people who haven't seen this, uh, Bowman back, I think this was, this was in October when the voting was happening for House Speaker, uh, was trying to race to the floor of the House to vote. And a door was closed in the area where the offices are for the representatives. And uh, I think it was locked. And uh, instead of just finding a different exit from the building, um, you know, he pulled the fire alarm. He claims that he was kind of panicking. Uh, trying to get out of the building in a hurry and didn't do this intentionally. The video kind of suggests that uh, there might be a little bit more to it and that maybe he was trying to, you know, pull it intentionally to disrupt the, yeah. the voting that was about to take place. I think so. so I don't know. I, don't, I can't weigh in on that. I, I can't, you know, I can't, uh, I don't know what his intentions were, but, um, you know, he was censured. Uh, the vote happened today, which is kind of like a, you know, rebuke, a formal rebuke that the House does. It doesn't mean that he's going to lose any privileges or his status as a house member. So, you know, to me, it, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of a whole lot of nothing, although I did see that he has a credible uh, primary challenger now, um, which, you know, I don't think that this particular incident is the, you know, th- that's not the only reason for this, but he does face, you know, a challenge from someone who's more kind of in the centrist area of the party instead of being further left. So that'll be interesting to keep tabs on, but um, you know, the video kind of speaks for itself. Again, I don't know what his intentions were, um, the vote was bipartisan. There were a few Democrats who abstained from voting or voted present. But, uh, you know, I think the fact that some Democrats voted to censure him kind of tells you all you need to know there. All right. Two final questions for Aaron Rupar from Public Notice Newsletter here on the Lake Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. Uh, Fox News, they <laughs> continue to characterize the uh, the Biden scandal, as they call it, as the biggest ever. Now, we, we, we know that this isn't true. I even saw a tweet of yours where you kind of retweeted uh, maybe some of the video or something like that, whatever, and you kind of laughed out loud. 
we know it's sensationalizing, by, and it's just flat out you know, untrue what they're saying, but how effective is this with the viewers of Fox News? Well, you know, it's pretty effective even beyond uh, the viewers of Fox because the polling that's been done you know, shows that people have real concern about Biden, you know, his ethical conduct or lack thereof, as people see it. And that, you know, there's kind of a perception that as crooked as Trump is, that Biden is, you know, close on the spectrum toward him, which, you know, I think is obviously incorrect. But, you know, I think when these guys like James Comer and Jim Jordan spend six months yelling about this stuff, you know, it does kind of permeate into people's brains in a way where maybe they, you know, get some false assumptions in mind. But, you know, the thing I will say is that even this week, you know, Comer was hyping this story surrounding Joe Biden going in 2018 to buy a truck for his son, Hunter, who at the time was in the throes of drug addiction. And so he couldn't get financing for a truck. So Joe went to the dealership with him. There's a photo of this. You know, he bought the truck and then Hunter paid him back in installments uh, for some of the money that Joe spent on this truck. And this was, you know, James Comer kind of hyped this as a big bombshell because the money that Hunter sent to his father came from an account that was commingled with some of his business dealings that he was doing. It amounted to about $4,000. But, you know, Comer was out there on uh, Tuesday, or I think it was Monday or Tuesday of this week, hyping this. And the thing that I found to be kind of remarkable here is that, you know, in a normal political environment, if you had the chair of the oversight committee hyping bombshell evidence, as he puts it, uh, you know, in, in the context of an impeachment inquiry, like normally that would be front page news, you know, and people would be all about this. And like, you'd have a lot of cable news coverage But it just gets ignored by most people, CNN, MSNBC, because we all kind of understand what Comer is up to. He's BSing. He's lying. He's been exposed many times for hyping these big revelations that don't pan out to be what he says they are. So, you know, it's kind of a weird kabuki theater thing where, you know, they're timing this impeachment inquiry to really pick up speed in the spring, right when one of the Trump trials is occurring, the D.C. one. So you can see that they're trying to use this as kind of a political weapon against Biden to make him seem corrupt and then also to minimize Trump's misconduct and criminality, you know, by making it seem as though Biden has done the same thing, if not, you know, even worse, because, um, you know, they're trying to impeach and remove him here, although that would never get anywhere in the Senate with the Democrats controlling it. So, you know, it, it is effective in the sense that I do think it has hurt Biden politically, but there's no there there, um, at least not that we've seen. And I think the, the problem for Comer is that, when you hype these things over and over and they fizzle, you know, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf where after a while people just kind of tune it out. And I think we're already kind of seeing that. Yep. Final thing uh, is Governor Tim Walls uh, here in Minnesota, who is the chair of the Democratic Governors Association. Is he about to emerge as a star nationally? You know, I assume you're asking this because he was on CNN today doing an yep. interview and I posted some clips and, um, I was surprised how much pickup that got. Like he, you know, he really um, had a strong message on CNN where he had a quote to the effect of while all the states surrounding me are trying to figure out how to ban Charlotte's web from libraries, we're getting rid of school hunger by having free breakfast and lunch. And, uh, you know, a lot of comments like that where he's drawing a contrast between Republican states and uh, what, you know, what we're up to here in Minnesota under his leadership. And so, you know, he certainly has a very powerful position, um, you know, as the chair of the Democratic Governors Association. And so, I'm sure we'll be seeing and hearing lots of him, uh, you know, over this next year. And I did see even in just my own little Twitter universe, people hyping him as a possible 2028 uh, candidate, which I thought was you know, maybe a bit much. But um, he's a very well-spoken guy and he's very effective. I've noticed this over time with him, too, when he goes on TV or gives speeches in drawing a contrast, kind of speaking on behalf of Democratic values and 
the successes he's had here, you know, Democratic control of the legislature in realizing a lot of progressive priorities and contrasting that with the culture warring in red states, the pushes to ban books and things like that. So, you know, he certainly got a lot of waves today just out of a very short CNN interview. And if that's a sign of things to come, then I think we'll be seeing lots of him over the next year. Hey, uh, always a pleasure, Aaron. I'm glad that you like the new open and uh, I will be talking to you soon, my man. Thank you so much. Happy yeah, holidays. Thanks for having me on. Happy yeah, holidays. You too. All right. Take care. That's Aaron Rupar. Check him out. It's time for the newsletter. Public notice uh, newsletter uh, right here on the, uh, the Good Neighbor News Talk, 830-WCCO. Uh, to sign up for the newsletter, we'll make sure that we put in the link. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 